Hello. Good morning and welcome to the Digital Marketing Podcast, where we talk about strategies and tactics to help grow your business. I'm Michael Wynn, Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops. Thanks for joining today. Today on the show, we are going to talk about rebooting your content strategy to reignite your brand in 2021. I'm really excited today. I've got a special guest that has come on the show, uh, Steve Pakras from Verblio. Uh, Steve, welcome to the show. Thanks for being on. Thanks, Michael. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, we were on earlier, you know, as we were kind of walking through what we're going to talk about, you shared your story about how you came into Verblio and really recognized that there was an opportunity to reignite the brand, that there was this opportunity to really scale um, what the original founders have done. And I think a lot of companies are in a similar boat right now in their business where Things have become stagnant. Um, you know, they've really been looking at some challenges. Maybe they've had to lay off people. Uh, maybe they've had to scale back. You know, they're really in 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 this situation. And you found yourself in that same boat, but you made some decisions that, looking back now, like four years later, you've grown over three hundred percent. The business is booming in an industry that you're in that is just really quite stagnant. So tell us about your journey. Tell us tell us how you got there and, and, and some things you learned along the way. Cool, I, I'd love to, and I hope, to, I hope that they're helpful. So I took over Verblio CEO almost four years ago, actually four years ago next week, from, uh, from two founders, a tech founder and a, a journalist CEO who, uh, who founded the company really with the intention before, how do you create the next level of opportunities for writers being writer focused? I think most companies start with what's the market need. So he started with the supply of labor and then found what you could do with it, which was create great content on the internet to uh, to drive SEO and all sorts of other benefits. And so they'd taken it to the place where it was a couple million dollars in revenue and it was off and had, uh, uh, I think, 600 plus high, or paying clients every single month. Uh, but really, how did we scale the business is what I was being brought in to do. And so at that point, you're really kind of evaluating everything from top down. And I'll tell you what it felt like to come in as an outsider. Uh, and then I think most of you, most of the audience today are probably you. What I'm recommending is that you look at your own business as if you were the outsider as much as you can, which is hard to do. Uh, so I walk in with the analogy that I like to use is uh, the first house my wife and I ever bought was a small condo in San Francisco. And we bought it. Uh, from, a, from a, a Polish couple that had lived there since the 1940s. And you would walk in and the place I thought was the ugliest place I'd ever seen. And there were mustard drapes and there were sconces all over the wall and there was carpet in the bathroom. And like, <laughs> all pink. And you look at this place and you're like, this is a really terrible house. What am I gonna do with this? So I think that like moving in through, uh, to somebody else's house is always going to be like that. They're mm -hmm. gonna have their preferences versus yours and you're gonna have to have the vision. What does this look like in the end? And what are all the steps I'm going to need to take there? Uh, so when I take over a company, I'm looking at kind of very similar things, which is you evaluate your people, your processes and your product. Uh, and then the strategy for where's the market and where's it going? Um, so I learned, so I saw very quickly that we needed to transform quickly. SEO is changing by the day. It was no longer put words on a page and Google loves you and sends you organic traffic if you just 
stuff it with keywords and uh, you say Joe's Plumber in Denver 15 times on your page and it'll find you, uh, you'll rank number one for plumbers in Denver. Um, and so my founders gave me a bunch of amazing gifts, uh, which uh, included a subscription model, a really interesting new invention of the business model. Um, writers that generally loved us, the journalists really founded it on those principles, uh, and a, a steady subscription model where the customers paid every single month, which gave me a lot of confidence. And the most beautiful thing is that the CEO founder was, uh, he wrote a blog every day for the first six years of the company, and we had an incredible amount of organic traffic. And so you look at your assets, and first you have to decide product or marketing first. And for me, I could go market the heck out of a product that's not that great, and I don't feel like I'm ever going to get above, above filling the boat in the, the leaky bucket. Uh, or I can start with a product. And so because I've been given this gift of all this great organic SEO traffic from, from content marketing, I could take all of the funds that most companies put into sales and marketing, I could put that all into product and improving my quality, make a big bet, uh, and then follow with the marketing later, which we did. Uh, but above all of that, it had to start with the people that were going to do these things because you don't even get to choose product or marketing if you don't have the team and the processes that are going to actually drive it forward that you can count on. Uh, and so we uh, we changed up the team. We brought in the right people like every startup, the right people for the right level of the company. It was time to bring in a couple uh, a couple outs. Like you can make a couple bets when you're a small company. I imagine a lot of your audience is in the same place, which is like you can choose maybe one, maximum two, people from outside who have done it before, and everyone else just has to be an A player who's young, ambitious, excited, and is going to learn things on their own. Um, and so I kind of pulled that pool together. We have two of the remaining 12 uh, employees that I started with, and we're now up to mm -hmm. about 30 employees um, after about four years. And uh, the team is everything, and then we went after the product, and then about two years into it, we rebranded because we were proud enough of where we were with our quality uh, that we could start to, to camp up that side of the house too. Whew, that, was a lot, that was a long story to start off with. I yeah, that's what you're looking for. Yeah, yeah, no, I think that's great, Steve, and you are so right. It, it, it is about the people um, first, and, and then you have to look at, uh, you know, the, 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 the product and the quality and, and how all of those things work together to allow you to scale. I, I love that. You know, one thing that you said that I thought was interesting, you, you said that, you know, you were you were given, um, you know, some assets to work with. One of the things that caught my ear was the original founders wrote a blog every day for six years. I love that. I love that at the core of a company that is about telling compelling stories. At its core, it's what they do from the very core. You know, I love that. And I think that as you know, whether whether we are marketers of our own brand, whether we are storytellers of, of our own brand, I think we are constantly being faced with how do we connect with the reader? How do we connect with the audience in a way that we tell a compelling story and that we draw them into that story? So how do you think like we're all asking that question? How do, how do you recommend we approach that? It's the right question to ask. I think more and more people are asking it now. So one of the big trends that we've seen is more, more executives looking to be thought leaders of their company. So um, let me take a 
quick tangent, and then I'll answer your question a little more. So when I went to business school 20 years ago, uh, everything that they taught you was how to make the company that you work for better. And it was all about putting your personality in the background, and it was all about company first, building the brand, the marketing assets. None of it was about you. And now it's about you. You are the company. It's combined in your personality and your thought leadership and your authority in your space. Now have to be on LinkedIn. You have to be posting every single day, like not every day, but you need to be getting content out into the world. And it's very personality based and it's very confusing for people who have been in business as long as we have to now think that it's all about like people want, not only do people expect to hear from me, they want to hear from me. I just have to do this. Um, and so the way that people are doing this is a few, um, so I think first, just let's pause for a second. That's an incredible transformation. Right. Everything is about personality. Yeah. Right? That, it, I wonder what you teach in business school right now. What did, what did they tell you? Like get your company and become the face of your company in a second and make it all about you. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, you're, you, it, it literally has, has just kind of done a reverse, you know, inside out of, of, of how it works. You know, I, I feel like, you know, you're you're being very modest. The fact that you literally have an army of creatives in your back pocket um, who are amazing storytellers who connect deeply with these stories and, and, and are able to communicate on behalf of a brand. Because I feel like this is the other thing is when you're when you're trying to make difficult cuts and when you're trying to kind of go through that process of of you know, making the tough choices of people and process, you know, there's that time where there's just not enough hours in the day for you to be able to do the things that you need to do. And you have to continue to tell the story and you have to continue to create that content that draws, you know, people in, which ultimately maximizes and amplifies your reach, right? So if I'm sitting here as a, a, you know, maybe I'm the marketing director of my company, maybe I'm the owner of my company, uh, maybe I'm a, a, you know, an agency uh, director or service, you know, um, coordinator, and, and I'm trying to figure out like, how am I going to get all this done? And here, Verblio is you're sitting here with this army of like, you know, a thousand or more army of creative writers. How how is it that you that you are able to do what you do in such a way that has caused your your company to grow 300%. You know, like, how do you guys do this? How do I answer that in a succinct way? That's <laughs> a good question. So we thought a lot about it, and then we uh, we delivered on it. So a few of the ways. So we have about a 1,000 writers now that are highly curated. We accept about 4.5% of them. Uh, into our pool that pass our just objective. Are you, you know, do you understand the strong fundamentals of writing? And that's before you get into kind of the, can you write for eight different segments, different styles, and what's the client feedback process? So we put a lot into that, um, into the idea. So we did a few things in our model that we think helps us get up to our, our end goal. It's our North Star. We're never quite there, but we try to progress towards it constantly. And we think that we do it better than others. Um, and that is, we want to produce high quality content at scale for every niche. Um, and then every niche part is incredibly important. So I think most companies think of a writing platform as general content that you get out consistently at a decent price, but they really take away the top of the iron triangle pyramid, which is the, the quality. And the quality is understanding your business and how you build them. 
So we really thought of three different things that we kind of like keys to our model that we thought were different that we built into our combination of our marketplace of writers, our SaaS platform for content creation. And then we also have the third leg of our stool is professional services. So businesses can plug into our ecosystem at the level that most is most effective for them. Uh, and those are an inverted model for matching writers. So most matching, most, most marketplace systems are based on now you have access to all of our writers. Here's pictures of all of them. And the way that you pick your writer is you sort through all of them, look at their pictures and you're like, what have you written about? And like, we came up with the belief that a writer should choose you. You tell us what your style is. Give us an example of what type of writing works best for you and the approach that you take and the level of subject matter expertise. We're going to put it on the writer to find you. And they're going to take all the risk on their side. So they have to submit an entire post to you for you to review. You're not reviewing what their picture looks like. You're reviewing their actual writing for your business. Mm -hmm. And if you accept it, they get paid. And if you don't, they don't win. And they don't come back to you. They're going to avoid you like a plague. Um, <laughs> this is a normal part of their process. And that market incentive is really powerful because, one, we think it does matching better. Second, we think it scales, which is that we don't have to be involved for them to find you. Um, in the, uh, sorry, there's a fire alarm going off in my house. Just like every, every COVID call has to have an ambulance or a fire alarm for a kid or for a Wi-Fi. Or whatever. Um, <laughs> uh, so, and then the idea is that, so, so can you hear the, the, the fire alarm? I'm sorry. You can no, it's really, it's really not as noticeable as you think. Okay. Fascinating. In my brain too. Uh, so the, the writers match themselves to you. We think that scales. We think it's a better way. We also think it's better for diversity, equity, inclusion. You're choosing based on their work as opposed to what they look like. If you can find a 23-year-old, you know, just out of journalism school, can, can totally write for you. You're never going to pick them on the internet. You're never going to look at their profile and be like that. That guy gets me. But what if they do? Uh, so the second big change is that we have. Uh, we capture all of your our clients' feedback and preferences in our system. We are trying to download your subject matter expertise, your preferences, as much into our platform as possible so the writers just go there. And what that does is a few things. It reduces the friction so there's not as much time interacting between writers, us, and clients. It also streamlines what the, what the writer needs to create great product for you. Um, and it makes it very clear that uh, all of your preferences you're going to say what you like about every piece, what you don't like, and as you accept and don't. We're going to share that with every writer who comes to you, so you're training a platform of writers instead of just one. Because if you work with an individual, they're going to leave if you don't have enough writers. They're going to turn over, and you're just going to repeat the process again and again. Our goal is to build you a platform that gets you uh, for ongoing. So the first three months, you're onboarding. After that, you get consistent content to come. And the last piece is just building teams. So we think, uh, similar to the last point, if you have a team of writers, the right size team, five to six, if you're doing an ongoing basis, that you train on that basis, they're going to be available to you. The biggest challenge with freelancers is they're not there when you need them. Mm -hmm. They just have a big project after you put all this into them. And then you don't have your, you know, then you don't hit your SEO goals for that month. Uh, so if you have five of them, six, then they're all competing for each other. And it gives you the speed and the consistency you're looking for. So. All three of those areas, let me just do that again because I just talked a lot, which are an inverted matching model where the writers find you. The second is sharing the feedback, capturing it, your feedback and preferences in the system. 
and the third, building teams of writers versus individuals. We put at the core of how do we deliver high quality content at scale for every niche. Uh, and we put a ton of thought into it and we put a ton of dev resources into getting that right. Steve, you know, I it, it, literally getting like goosebumps when you talk about this, this model and how you've really perfected um, what, again, in an industry that's just as stale as bread that's six months old in the pantry, you know, you've given it a, a I mean, it's like reverse bachelorette or something like, <laughs> you know, it's, it's, yeah. it's, it's, it's really great. I love it. And, and I can relate because, you know, in an agency where we do communication and um, content creation on behalf of our clients, right? We have to build a website or we have to produce a, you know, a, a blog post or social media content or whatever, you know, we have to be immersed in their world, right? And what you're describing is the this reverse matching, you know, you've got these people coming in who maybe share the same passion or have the same knowledge base. And they're like, oh yeah, I'm connected with that, right? And so there's kind of that instant chemistry that, that happens that's not, you know, OkCupid okay or a dating site that just is, let me pick you from your profile because you are an attractive man or woman or whatever, right? And so I love that. Um, you know, I think the other thing that really pumps me up about your business model is we are in this weird climax right now, or, or climate, let me say, would be a better word, where I believe so strongly, and I've seen this play out in, in our market and really across the nation, where you have these businesses who are looking at, you know, they've been working remotely, they've left their brick and mortar, you know, uh, large businesses because of COVID. They're, um, they're really looking at ways to um, minimize overhead. Um, they're having to make some tough choices about staffing. And in a, in a marketplace environment, regardless of, is it content? Is it service delivery? Whatever it is, in a marketplace environment where you can really um, create efficiencies in your business model, um, that you're in a perfect position right now. I really, really like where you guys are and I'm really excited for you guys. All right, so let's talk about this. As we're thinking about, okay, I gotta make some tough decisions. I'm looking forward to the future for 2021, right? And I'm thinking, okay, I have been really just treading water. I have been really just holding the rope of the status quo uh, to, to keep afloat. If I'm really trying to look forward when it comes to growing my business and thinking about content in a way, again, that, that pushing that content out is going to elevate my brand. It's going to elevate reach, but I got to be able to do it. Steve, I know you guys have seen some trends that you, that you've just gone like, this is happening. We've seen it. It's a, it's a diversion of what's been happening over the last, say, two years, and we're, this is going to continue into 2021. So share with us, what do you think the trends that you've seen and then how that plays into 2021? Well, I think this is a, we get a really interesting courtside view of what the best marketers are doing. We have over a thousand clients every, every month 
showing us what they do with content marketing, not just like the talking points of what they should do. So mine is kind of like a reporter from the front side seat. They can tell you what we're doing as well. Um, before the trend, there was really clear kind of the last couple of years, you're deeply aware of them as a huge trend towards longer form content, writing quality, uh, as opposed to writing for the, the, the Google algorithm versus writing for people and your target audience were really converging. So a stat that I think you might find interesting is when I took over this company, the number of posts that were a thousand words or longer, which you can kind of consider like middle form slash, slash long form, we all interpret that differently. We have less than 5% at, at Verblio at the time. Currently, it's over 65% of our posts are over a thousand words, which yep. means means that you can also be more proud. Like you're writing better stuff, your audience is gonna like it. The more engaging it gets, and the more consistent, and the more fresh, Google's gonna recognize it anyway. And I, that's one of the big trends that if you didn't know about that ahead of time, you should definitely be you're writing longer pieces now. Uh, the other big trends were moving towards multimedia and uh, consuming content, so adding video and things of that nature. Post COVID. A couple of some of the really interesting trends that we're seeing is one is there is a huge focus on what uh, marketing thought leaders call zero waste mar or zero waste content marketing, which is repurposing the existing content that you have, and that really comes in a couple ways. So you're doing it for a couple of reasons. One is you want to extend your reach by moving it to new channels, and you probably also want to meet your audience where they want what in the medium they want to be. If they want to see video, you've got to bring them the video. If you want to listen to a podcast, you've got to be doing that or written is the classic form. And so we're doing a lot of repurposing, which is uh, we are given a podcast and we're turning that into uh, SEO blogs. We have a new product out that's like 1,200 words. It breaks down a podcast into the key points. Immediately, like you're just doubling the amount of content you have. And we're getting conferences, these the webinar I've been on. This is particularly effective for thought leaders that are having a hard time, executives of your company, finding time to sit down in front of a blank cursor and to write, which, uh, or to even write down the talking points you want your outsourced writer to write, uh, because it still takes time, even if you're going to have help doing it. Uh, so I think that's one of the big trends. The second piece of zero waste marketing is uh, content refreshes are really large. So if you've already been doing a lot of content, um, Going back and going through your top 10%, your top 20% marketing agencies are incredibly important in this process to help you figure out which ones you wanted to relook at. Uh, you reinfuse them with new language, new keywords, and also a fresh publishing date, and you can start ranking much higher very quickly. So I, both of those, in addition to increasing the amount of content you have from content that already exists, are also more immediate impacts. Uh, the normal talking points for how long you have to wait for your content and SEO to kick in is six months, which nobody really feels like they have six months right now. Uh, so both of those are really high impact uh, ways to go. Um, and the last is volume. Mm. Uh, I can't. So we were talking ahead of time about how, you know, the crisis really chose, it was like a, it was like a lottery for winners and losers of whose businesses just got crushed out of nowhere and who's got picked up and digital marketers were in a very, fortunate space and our business has just been climbing as um, the first thing we saw is the wave of small businesses that just closed or left us and it was super depressing to watch the exit reasons of like business crushed from COVID like you see just like we saw 20% of those come in over one month of just like it was like drone strikes every day feeling the pain of the economy 
Um, but the second wave was the, con the companies that were in there to stay were doubling, tripling, quadrupling the amount of content they were they were doing. And I think it's for a couple of reasons. One is there's very few games left in town. Um, so content was always important and now it's even more so. And the second is that content is something that you can do without, you can let your audience re-engage with you when they're ready. Your content's going to be there, it's going to be effective, uh, and, if, um, and they can find you as opposed to an outbound campaign, paid marketing that might not feel, might feel tone deaf right now. Uh, and the last is you're building an asset. This is an asset of content portfolios that's gonna pay off for your marketing dividends for years to come. So if you don't know what else is going to work, you might as well invest in something. It's like investing in gold. It's really just a safe, sure way to invest in your marketing budget when everything else seems scary. Man, Steve, you are just absolutely crushing it. You know, being able to kind of take your perspective of, of what you guys are seeing when you're producing this massive amount of content and, and being able to have it contextualized for you know, all these different niches and, and how it, it plays out. I cannot tell you how incredible, uh, just how grateful I am that you came on the show today. You shared with us your story about how you grew the business, shared with us about different ways to really approach your content strategy, to really think differently about really rebooting your content strategy. I mean, because Brands need to reignite, right? I mean, they like you said, like some of them are hanging on by a thread. Some of them are, are being devastated. Really trying to think about a reboot. You've laid out some very practical and tactical advice. Again, I want to thank you so much for coming on the show. Guys, thank you for tuning in. If you found this episode in, inspiring or instructional, whatever, you found value, I hope you'll share it. Uh, get the word out. It really helps us. But ultimately, we want to help you have the strategies and tactics to help grow your business. Again, my name is Michael Wynn. I'm the Chief Digital Officer of Digital Ops, a division of RB Oppenheim Associates. Steve, thanks again for being on the show. It was a pleasure. It was really fun to talk to you. All right, buddy. Take care.